0: Welcome to Podland, the last word in podcasting news. It's the 3rd of March 2022. I'm James Cridland, the editor of podnews.net. And I'm Sam Smith, the MD of River
1: Radio, the podcast's first radio station.
2: Hello, I'm Laura Ivy, Director of Research from Edison Research. And I'll be on later to talk about the Dial 2021 UK report, which I presented at Podcast Futures in London.
0: She will. Podland is sponsored by Buzzsprout, podcast hosting made easy. Last week, 3,929 people started hosting with Buzzsprout and you can too at buzzsprout.com and if you can use chapters in your
1: podcast app then Buzzsprout supports those and so do we. Now the first story up I think is quite interesting and really I just want to get your opinion. It's come to our attention thanks to our friend Chris Messina, friend of the show, that Twitter is going to start getting into podcasting. What do you think, James? Yes, it's interesting. Yeah,
0: both um, Alessandro Paluzzi and also Jane Manchung-Wong have both unearthed a bit of a discussion around podcasting in the app, which is uh, interesting to see in the in the Twitter app. We know very little more than that. We, we just know that they are thinking about adding a tab for podcasts. Uh, Nathan Gaythrite has done some really good brainstorming around what he hopes Twitter is up to. But it could be that Twitter is adding a podcast player. Uh, Maybe it might focus on podcasts from people who you follow. So maybe there might be a little bit of that. Maybe it might just essentially be Twitter's name for Twitter spaces that have been, you know, pre-recorded. I don't know. But interesting to see Twitter... Uh, very much focusing on adding podcasts with, of course, an old picture of a microphone as the icon uh, because it always seems to be that way, isn't it?
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly, because we all use one of those. Yeah. One I do think, I I agree, it could be just Twitter Spaces recorded and saved into a tab, which is your Twitter podcasts. Or, you know, what I did find interesting is the Podcast uh, Index um, Social Interact Extension does allow you to put a Twitter URL. So, again, it could be if they do give you normal Twitter podcasts or your own podcast, Mm. it would be great. You could then point the URL for a Twitter thread... For the comments as well. So that would be a way of actually having that work across the podcast index.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because Twitter is, you know, open in terms of an API and uh, that might be interesting. Uh, I mean, and certainly it's an awful lot more easy to code for than than the current standard that uh, podcasting 2.0 is currently using. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we really don't know, but it's interesting seeing that at this point, Twitter is really on fire because they're doing both integrating podcasting in some way, shape or form. They're also testing collaborative accounts, which is quite nice. So maybe the podland news account, which is something that you really look after, Sam, maybe that's something that, you know, is a bit more collaborative, in terms of both of us so at least you know who has posted whatever on that onto that (laughs) that might help
1: sometimes yeah yeah.
0: (laughs) so that's all very good and then there's something which they haven't quite worked out what the title is it might be called twitter circles it might be called twitter flocks but it's uh, the idea of private groups so they've got communities in there already and um They might be looking at private communities. So maybe they're coming after the world of Slack and that sort of thing with uh, private groups. But um, yeah, so whether or not it's going to be called Twitter Circle or Twitter Flock, who knows? I quite like, add people to your flock. That's quite nice. Um, But, uh, yeah, there's a bunch of uh, interesting stuff that uh, Twitter is currently working on and very much working on decentralising all of this stuff as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Twitter Blue, which is their project, is where this is all going down. And there's a great report or an article in the New York Times uh, yesterday about uh, what Twitter's doing with their decentralization uh, and how they're seeking to give users control, avoid regulation and open new revenue streams. Unfortunately, it is behind a firewall. So you might have to pay if you don't have a subscription.
0: Well worth a read. So yeah, watch this space in terms of uh, Twitter. But I think that's uh, really interesting. Now,
1: Because you're such a football aficionado, James. Yes. Who's Peter Crouch?
0: Oh, I believe he's a footballist and uh, and he plays the, the old sports ball or used to play the old sports ball and uh, yes, and now he's, um, he's a podcaster and in fact launched a podcaster back in 2018 which has now had more than 60 million listens uh, paid for by the BBC and run by BBC Radio 5 Live, that Peter Crouch podcast. Nothing's happening with that, is it, Sam? Well, he's
1: transferred out. Oh, nice. I don't know what the fee for the transfer was but he's left the BBC and he's joined Acast here yeah, along with his producer George Cotton Uh, and these co host Chris Stark. So they'll be all going over to Acast.
0: Indeed. Now, Chris Stark is from BBC Radio 1 as well. So interesting seeing that the BBC are allowing Chris to continue that show. Uh, Tom Fordyce, though, will not be uh, part of the new show because he's doing other things as well. But really interesting. I looked at this and I thought, well, the Peter Crouch podcast, it's been something that the BBC has... Um, nurtured and grown with license fee money. Um, And normally, shows built with BBC money remain the property of the BBC. Um, And I find it interesting that Acast have essentially benefited from this. They've managed to get a really popular show. They call it the UK's largest sports show. And uh, yeah, and they've managed to basically get the show, um, well, uh, so far as I can work out, get the show for free um, by uh, signing Peter Crouch um, uh, up. Um, So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm just
1: uh, very curious by that. Well, a lot of independent production companies produce content for the BBC. Maybe this is Peter Crouch's independent company and he's just come to the end of a contract. Could be just as simple as that,
0: yeah. It might be, but uh, you know, typically, what I've seen from independent um publishers in the past who make stuff for the BBC is that the BBC re- retains the IP. You know, in terms of um, you know what what they're doing, so you can't yeah. all of a sudden stop making a show for the BBC and make it for you know somebody else. Um, now there are some shows. You know, the Great British Bake Off uh, is a good example, or the Great British Baking Show, as it's called in the US for some reason. Um, but uh, yes, that that's an example of a show that has been you know moved over. But um, uh, yeah, I found that really interesting, um, and you know George Cottam uh, who was the producer at the BBC? He's leaving the BBC to work with Peter Crouch's uh, production company um, there to, um, you know, continue making that particular show. So um, yeah, really, really interesting and a great signing by Acast. You know, I mean, Ross Adams is quoted as saying, "You know, he's 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 thrilled. This one's got me doing the robot." He says, "What, well, whatever that's supposed to mean?" But uh,
1: Peter Crouch famously, when he scored a goal, would do a robot dance.
0: Yeah, not that famously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Within the football world, James, it is yes.
0: Yeah. Oh, he's a former Liverpool striker. That, that this of would course. explain. This would explain <laughs> your, your
1: interest in the story. Otherwise, who cares? You know, just another footballer. Uh, No, what's interesting, though, is Peter Crouch said it's like signing for the world's biggest football club. I did ask, I wonder, though, did he get a spam email asking him to move? I don't know. Maybe he did.
0: Uh, Maybe you did, because Acast is uh, still spamming people. And uh, what uh, someone spotted last week is that... ACAST is using the user data that they acquired when they bought Radio Public to spam podcasters from Radio Public accounts. And I thought, oh, well, that's interesting. I wonder what the Radio Public privacy policy says about this sort of thing. So I clicked onto the Radio Public privacy policy, which is at the bottom of radiopublic.com. Guess what? It doesn't exist. It's a page 404. Oh dear. That's not good, is it? And there's also no way to close your account. I happen to have an account with Radio Public. There's no way to close that account, which the GDPR requires. It's a part of the European privacy law, um, but there's no way to actually close an account on Radio Public either, which uh, is owned by ACAST these days. So um, yeah, just a bit, again, a bit disappointing is I think what I said last week. I'll say it again, a bit disappointing.
1: (laughs) Well, leave it there, otherwise you really will fall out Mm -hmm. with ACAST. Now... Is interactive podcasting the future of podcasting? Uh, This week, a new podcast platform called Spooler was launched. Spooler is the brainchild of Henry Bloggett and podcast industry veterans Andy Bowers, who is the co-founder of Slate Audio and Megaphone, and James Boggs, formerly head of podcasts at Apple. Uh, Spooler investors include its founders as well as Axel Springer, Insider Ventures. And to round out the team, their senior executive team that is they've got a cto dan benjamin who was the founder of a fireside fm not the other one the main one um james what is spooler sounds like a great team yeah it's, a, it's such
0: a dream team and um they are producing and i think this is really interesting they're producing a Um, technology which essentially allows you to kind of merge the world of live radio. So things never go out of date on live radio because you're listening to live radio. Um, So it allows you to merge that with the world of podcasting. So they've essentially built a very clever content management system which allows you to record individual stories and then allows you to reorder those as if you were doing this uh, in a newsletter or a blog or something, but it reorders the audio uh, for you. So if I go and listen to this particular show now, then I'll hear a different show than maybe in ten minutes' time, uh, because they might have found a new story, recorded that, and slotted it in. Um, so it's pretty clever. It's kind of like a radio playout system meets a podcast. You know, really smart. It's worthwhile having a listen to their launch uh, show, which is the refresh from Insider. Um, they claim that it's live between you know six in the morning and midday. Um, it's being presented by uh, two folks who are you know clearly working on stories during that particular time. Uh, but I think it's, you know, it's a really nice idea, actually. It's a very clever plan of, uh, you know, um, keeping something a little bit fresher.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can imagine using that. Well, I can imagine you using that possibly for um, your daily podcast. Is that something you'd think of using or do you think it's too much work for you?
0: Um, I I mean, I think if I was in the American time zone, then it would be interesting to have a look at. Um, I mean, obviously, being in the Australian time zone, it's a little bit pointless for me. But um, certainly having a look at that sort of thing, I think, you know, the very clever thing is if you listen to this show on the on their website rather than as a podcast. But if you listen to this show on the website, then it will automatically know which bits of this show you've already heard, Uh, you know? So if you've already heard the story about the elephants, then it won't give you the story about the elephants again. Um, And I think that that's very, very clever. That's cool. Uh, Not that they do stories about elephants. Um, But, uh, you know, but it still works with RSS, you know, podcast apps as well. Um, So, you know, it's pretty cool. And you know, I guess the difference is between that and the New York Times Daily. The New York Times Daily is, you know, it's frozen in time at six o'clock in the morning, Eastern Time. So, therefore, you know, if anything happens, and you know, clearly we are in the middle of World War Three at the moment. So, so who knows? All kinds of things might happen. Um, But uh, you know, if if something happens, then actually it's really difficult for the New York Times Daily team to you know, change a bit of their podcast. Whereas with this tool, it seems quite easy. So really, really clever. I'm looking forward to, uh, we've got a chat with Andy Bowers and with James o Boggs next week. Um, the one thing I would point out is that it works with chapters. And, um, you know, in inbuilt chapters within uh, MP3, so not the new chapters that uh, Podcast Index are using. But perhaps that explains a slightly weird email that I got from Apple's PR team a month or so ago saying, we really like the idea of chapters and here's how to do chapters in Apple Podcasts. I was there thinking oh well that's nice that they're looking at it um, but of course probably something to do with the fact that um, this company Spooler is using chapters and this company is, you know the CEO is run by the previous head of podcasts at Apple Podcasts so that's probably got something to do with it um, but uh, yeah really interesting so looking forward to catching up with Andy Bowers and James O. Boggs next week and that should hopefully be in this very podcast
1: uh, next week yeah Andy Bowers noted that this type of technology could give podcasts better pen- penetration on smart speakers and in cars where people often are looking for up to date information via voice command so again <laughs> just the fact that you've got a daily podcast that goes out on uh, Alexa and Google don't you
0: yeah indeed and you know again actually when you're using those smart speakers then it knows which Uh, you which you've listened to and which um, bulletin you haven't listened to Um, and so therefore that's very useful for things like cnn breaking news alerts which are available on uh, smart speakers And that will give you the very latest news, if there is some latest news, to go and uh, have a listen to. And you just have to ask your smart speaker to play the latest news. Interestingly, CNN Breaking News Alerts are now available in your podcast app as well. So if you use Pocket Cast, for example, and you sort by latest episode, then if there's something new from CNN Breaking News Alerts, then it'll be there. Uh, And the updates are only about 60 seconds long. So that's pretty cool. And then you can also have a look at uh, NPR's State of Ukraine, which is a brand new show which they've just launched. They are talking about updating that show more than once a day as well. And of course, um, NPR's um, uh, latest news uh, podcast that um, uh, individual uh, show is also available and really useful for uh, for smart speakers so perhaps this is part of that as well but um, really nice it's something that the BBC call object-based audio and uh, they've done a a bunch of this work uh, uh, you know in the past haven't they uh, Sam
1: yeah uh, Ian Forrester who's part of the BBC R&D uh, a couple of years ago I interviewed him about it and he was trying to explain chief
0: troublemaker
1: I think chief he- chief firestarter
0: yes firestarter that's right firestarter he's he the firestarter
1: <laughs> yes um so ian, ian was trying to explain to me how he was working on this a couple of years ago and I thought that was really interesting but you know nothing as far as I'm aware came to fruition um, the BBC Alexa skill does something very similar as well. Um, I guess that's very similar to the CNN one where you can listen to the news so you can ask your Alexa to play the BBC news and then it'll give you a headline story and then you can ask it for more or you say skip and it'll go to the next one and that updates during the day as well. So you can mm. see this interactive type of podcasting based on time what Ian was talking about was time and location so if you changed your location they would be able to serve you a different story based on that as well but I never saw anything come to fruition and Brian Brian Barletta um he of the super DAE Eight. He of the super DAI user, um, if you mm. ever listen to Brian Barletta's podcast on Sounds Profitable, he has uh, an ending that's, that blows my mind. He tells you you're listening on a various platform and which app you're using and what time of day. He's quite amazing with it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I, I know that he was very keen to show off all of the stuff that you can do with uh, DAI. And that's essentially what this is all Uh, based uh, from, and of course, what a million ads have been doing in terms of advertising on podcasting, you know, as well, and indeed advertising in uh, streaming audio as well. So, uh, yeah, so lots of really interesting things. And it's really nice seeing, you know, Spooler pushing the envelope a little bit further. So looking forward to hearing uh, from them uh, next week. Um, and also looking forward to hearing in a couple of weeks at podcast movement evolutions um, to Conal Byrne, who is the CEO of the iHeart Media digital audio group. He will be on stage with Will Ferrell, they announced um, uh, last week, which is uh, pretty cool. He was writing in Forbes magazine.
1: <laughs> what is it that he's been saying in Forbes magazine, well, uh, Sam? He's been coming out with a few... Um predictions for 2022 i think this is quite a big Mm. one though it'll be interesting to see how he backs it up he says the entire internet will be converted to audio and distributed on demand this year not not in the future this year says colonel
0: not so sure about that connell but anyway (laughs) yes Um,
1: i'm trying to get around what he's trying to say i think what he's saying is that Um, well, he's bigging up Spooler, basically, and what he's saying is the future has arrived. As far as he's concerned, he thinks Spooler is the future, where RSS-friendly tech will be stitched together and you'll get podcast episodes in real time. It's quite interesting...
0: Yeah, I, I, I think there's a bunch of, of opportunities. I mean, especially for iHeart Media, there's a bunch of opportunities there. Um, because, you know, this is essentially, you know, somebody was saying, oh, it sounds really difficult to keep a podcast updated for six hours. You'll need a lot of people. Well, hello, it's much easier than live radio. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, uh, one of the frustrations that I have. Yeah, I mean... One of the frustrations that I have with um, live news radio like uh, LBC News in the UK or ABC News here in Australia or 1010 Wins in the US is that when you tune in to their internet feed, then you get dumped in the middle of the of the broadcast clock? Why are you not, when you connect to it, put at the top of the broadcast clock when you hear the latest news, rather than in the middle, which is um, always not going to be the most important story? You know, I mean, that's really obvious stuff. And uh, you know, iHeartMedia is a great uh, company that could really benefit from all of that kind of uh, stuff. He talks too about. Um, should podcasters be shooting their recording sessions for YouTube? Well, obviously, that's going on at the moment. And he says, uh, binaural audio, social audio, geo-fenced audio. Audio is on the brink of tech and format innovations. And I think he's absolutely right. So he uh, obviously will be at Podcast Movement Evolutions in a couple of weeks, but you were at a different podcast conference uh, last week weren't you sam you're at the uh, podcast conference that um the podcast radio ran
1: yeah i was at podcast futures in london uh well done gerard and uh, one of the speakers there was laura ivy from edison research and she did a great presentation on uh, giving really the infinite dial 2021 uk report but she came out with some really interesting uh data points, um, especially around YouTube, which I think you've been banging on about, James, and you know that backs up what you say. So yeah, I thought I'd reach out to her uh, and have a chat with Laura.
2: So we've done the Infinite Dial for several years in the United States. And in the past few years, we have data now on Canada and Australia, most recently South Africa. But last fall, we did an Infinite Dial UK. And as part of that, we did look at podcasting. In the uk but what we're seeing overall is a technology that was very much skewed towards men we're now seeing much more of a balance and looking at podcast listeners in the states we are looking at almost a 50 50 split men and women we know that can be a different story when we look at maybe content creators but if you're talking just about listeners Even monthly listeners, people who listen regularly, we're seeing that about almost half of them are women now, which is very much an increase and change in the past few years.
1: How does that roll out with younger listeners as well?
2: So we're finding that with younger listeners, uh, we do have a nice percentage of younger listeners, let's say 12, 34, who spend a lot of time with podcasts. And what we know about people who, who listen to podcasts is they listen to them a lot. But the reach is definitely high with young people. Maybe if we look a few years back, there was a uh, perception that podcasts would be sort of along the lines of audiobooks, might have an older audience, might be more technology focused or, or interest Focus might be a little more dry. And we're finding out that young people have really leaned into the medium, and podcasts yep. are a very effective way to reach young people.
1: And I was surprised when I found my 22-year-old daughter actually preferred to listen to podcasts than listen to radio. We were traveling somewhere together and she said, oh, let me just put this podcast on. I had no idea that she listened to podcasts at all.
2: Well, we were sharing one day internally, we have a podcast club at Edison Research. So we listen to a series or choose a podcast and then we debrief just like you would a book club. And one of the younger team members at Edison mentioned, he said, I really enjoy listening to podcasts on my television. But he, he would access the podcast through whatever source, potentially YouTube, but he would listen to it on his smart television. And that's how he listened at home. And so that is not how I would consume the service. But, you know, we're at home. We got sent home during quarantine. We are exposed to these different devices. We're spending more time on our computers, not just our phones. So we have different ways to listen. And young people explore all those ways.
1: We'll come back and talk about devices later on in this interview. But how's the UK doing compared to the English-speaking countries? How's it doing against Canada, Australia and
2: America? So what's interesting about it is, if you look at the awareness, so in the UK, how many people are familiar with podcasts? That number is very high, but it's a little over 70%. If you look at people who listen, 59% have ever listened to a podcast in the UK, which is a couple of points higher than the U.S. The U.S. number is 57. The Australian number is 60. The Canada number is 57. And that U.K. number is 59. So, exactly on par with have you ever listened to a podcast with these other English-speaking countries. And then when you look at monthly listening, it's exactly the same as the U.S. Right. So, that number is at 41%. So, 41% of those in the U.K. and we're looking at a population of 16-plus and then we're comparing that to the US population, 16 plus, 41% are monthly podcast listeners. So right on par. What is a, a little bit lower in the UK, it's not quite caught up yet, is the weekly listeners. So those would be the most regular podcast listeners in the UK. And that's about 25% of the population in the UK versus 29% in the US.
1: We've talked a little bit about gender splits, age splits, and country splits. Can we look at uh, device? because one of the things that you focus on is what you call share of ear. One of the conversations you and I had post your presentation was where is the attention graph skewing now? So, you know, we've got TV, we've got radio, we've got audiobooks, we've got podcasts, we've got Netflix. We can't watch everything and listen to everything. So where does podcasting in that spectrum fit? Is it growing? Is it flatlining or is it stagnating?
2: Well, as far as overall listening... And we're talking about device. So like where we're listening to podcasts, that's what we Mm -hmm. want to talk about. So as far as where we're listening to podcasts, and I'm looking at some of our our share of ear, the time we spend with podcasts, if we look at the overall, and this is US data. So unfortunately, I don't have UK data to to share with you on that. But if we look at the US data, overall, about 5% of our daily audio time is spent with podcasts. And that's looking at everybody 13+. plus. Now, if we hone in on just the people who are podcast listeners. Many people have never listened to a podcast. I think our UK number is maybe 41% have never listened, which is hard for us to believe who are in a podcast world. But of those who do, they spend 25% of their time listening. So they're listening a lot of the time. But as far as actual devices, I can speak to overall consumption, not just podcast consumption, but overall consumption, we're finding maybe smart speakers aren't delivering what we thought they Mm -hmm. would be delivering. At this point in time, we found that when people were again put home with quarantine, we're seeing people listening a little more at home on computers. We know that mobile listening is ubiquitous. So we have people listening on their mobile phones everywhere. Smart speakers just aren't pulling their weight yet for several reasons.
1: What reasons then? What, what do you think, Laura?
2: So if you look at overall listening, about 4%, I think, of, of the audio that we listen to during the day is, is on a smart speaker. But People who own smart speakers tend to own more than one. We did a smart audio report with NPR in the States, and we uncovered skills that people use on their smart speakers. And it seems that even as our numbers of smart speakers we're acquiring have gotten bigger, our skill range hasn't. Wow. So, right, a lot of us still use it for timers in our kitchen or asking a question or doing a calculation or an alarm of some sort. I'm a terrestrial radio listener, I listen to my radio through my smart speaker, one of my many. I also listen to podcasts through my smart speaker as a news source, but it just hasn't seemed to translate to the volume. So if we have 30% of people owning a smart speaker, we do not have that proportion of listening coming through a smart speaker. Discovery is big. At some point, it's just a black box. Sometimes it's difficult to pinpoint exactly what you need or exactly what you want. And sometimes it helps to have a screen So we found through the smart audio report that people who have smart speakers with screens sometimes maybe find it easier to discover a skill and utilize things. So we just haven't seen smart speakers translate the volume of listening.
1: Yeah, I know James, who I do podlam with, has his daily pod news and he does that as a smart Speaker skill as well. And I think he said in the past that he skews heavier towards Google smart speakers than Alexa, which I never understood. But that I think was his data. The thing about it, and I think we were talking about it before we started recording, skills are just badly done by Amazon. And I gave the example that my radio skill, somebody else named a skill the same as my radio skill. So then we had this conflict with my listeners and their listeners trying to get to the same or different stations, but having the same name. But Amazon didn't do anything to stop either skill being loaded. I couldn't buy edisonresearch.com, for example, and then start having a website, but somehow I can have my river radio skill and someone else can do it. And I could probably have Edison Research as a skill and Amazon in their beauty wouldn't stop me.
2: It's funny because Mm -hmm. I was an early adopter to smart speakers. I'm a big fan. I even bought the Echo for the vehicle, but I do know that sometimes not knowing what to say, not knowing what to ask. It is a discovery issue. And I know podcasting, not to draw the analogy, but podcasting has the same problems. There's just a lot there to Mm -hmm. weed through. What do I want? What do I need? And then do I have time to consume that thing? And do I just default back to what's easiest?
1: Yeah, which is the thing when you get in a car often is just turn the radio on. So radio still holds that cachet because Mainly, it's the simplicity of radio.
2: It is for the most part. And although maybe the auto industry you know, is producing products that don't make it quite so simple to reach those terrestrial stations, but that is one place that we did notice, I and mean, I just pulled a piece of data up from the, the presentation, that for audio sources ever used in car, the UK and the US are very much on par when it comes to AM, FM radio. 72% of, of our sample base who have driven or ridden a car last month have used AM, FM radio in car, that's in the UK, compared to 75% in the US. So virtually the same. But for podcasts, very different. The number is much higher in the US. So 30% of those car riders or drivers in the US, age 18 plus, listen to podcasts in car versus only 15% in the UK. So those podcasts aren't being consumed in car in the UK to the degree they are in the US.
1: I'd say the younger generation's natural inclination when they get into a car is to find a cable, plug their phone in, and go to Spotify. That's where they go. Whether they listen to a podcast, I'm not sure, but they certainly don't listen to radio.
2: So we look at share of ear. Share of ear measures this. And we do know that in the in-car environment, radio overwhelmingly has a a big share of ear. But the younger we go and we slice the demos, the younger we get, the more we see the streaming slice pop up and the terrestrial radio go down. We also see satellite radio that is clearly where they shine is in cars, as well. But it'll be interesting to see how you know, the technology changes so people can access these things because young people typically drive older vehicles. So they don't have access to some of those infotainment systems that older people ha- who have more disposable income have access to in newer cars.
1: Now, you recently came up with a, a wonderful term called super listeners. What is a super listener?
2: I guess some people may consider themselves more super than others i've been regaled with tales of people who listen to just a lot of podcasts but this is relating to podcasts and the way that edison research has defined it is you listen to at least five hours of podcasts per week and i know some people just bury that statistic they far exceed the the five but that is what puts you in a super listener category so we just released a study on people who are super listeners to podcasts
1: and is that male, female, old, young, black, white? Where's that super listener skew?
2: We talked about the gender split a little bit about how now we're looking at um, a very even split when you look at just people who are monthly podcast listeners, how that's a lot more even now. It's very nicely split between um, men and women. If you look at super listeners, it skews much more male. So if you are a super listener, you are much more likely to be male. As far as age, super listeners I think it's 50% are 25 to 44. So a big chunk in the 25-44 age range. And then as far as ethnicity, they are 72% majority white but also not too far off from the population representation. Again, this is a US-based study to be clear on that. So, they're much more likely to be male.
1: The other interesting trend I wanted to get your view on was subscription versus advertising. And advertising supporting podcasting is currently obviously very heavily the the way that most people do it. We've seen Spotify and Apple bring in subscriptions. We've seen other services appear like Satoshi's and micropayments and value for value. Are we seeing a movement at all towards a significant number of people paying for podcasting or is it just the ones and 2% still?
2: So what I can speak to on that is just what we can observe about overall audio subscription and the willingness for people to pay in whatever increment. We know that we're very attuned and we're very accustomed to doling out our few dollars every month for various things, whatever it is now. And we know that our latest share of your study shows that we are at about almost 50% of Americans subscribed to some sort of paid audio service. So we're used to paying for things. Now, are we used to paying for podcasts? I don't have that data. I can't answer that question. I can tell you though, that the super listeners we interviewed, a majority of them said they would absolutely be willing to pay if their favorite podcast got moved to a service where they had to pay to, to hear it. Right. So, so the
1: Joe Rogan effect.
2: So the mo- So if you were loyal to a podcast, you, what we found was the these listeners said, if it moves and I have to pay for it. I would be willing to do that. So I, I can definitely tell you that. And people who listen to podcasts, a lot of podcasts, these super listeners are much more likely to have paid streaming services, paid audio, you know, these premium subscriptions. But yeah, people have said they and people have demonstrated I'm willing to follow and I'm willing to pay a little bit for that.
1: Now, one of the things that surprised me, we've talked a little bit about it, but I, I wanted to come back to it in more detail where people consume podcasting. Most of us think of Apple podcasts or third-party podcasting apps. One of the the things you came out with at the presentation was that it's YouTube that's the best place for discovery and the place where it's most consumed. And again, James has said this frequently, but you have the stats to back it up.
2: So it's a, a lot to get your head around, I think particularly for those of us who are of an age where YouTube wasn't a joke. Many years ago, we thought, oh, YouTube, it's silly. It's the cat videos, it's whatever. And you would have been around long enough to see it become this force of content delivery that appeals to all ages, that is easily accessible everywhere. And what we had found is that people who, super listeners and really, and others, I think the, the data that I was talking about was super listener data in this particular instance. But in looking at super listeners, we found that over half of them currently listen to podcasts through YouTube. 55% of them do. And that is surprising to people who have maybe only ever used that purple square on their phone to access their Apple podcast. Now, That's more of like a reach number, right? So that's 55% have used YouTube. If you ask the question, what service do you use most often among the super listeners, it's Spotify by a couple of points. So 23% of them use Spotify the most, but 20% of them use um, YouTube the most. And, And thinking of how we've found this statistic in other studies, we did the spoken word audio report. That's a report we did with NPR. And we found that particularly young listeners, back to our young listeners for just a minute, those age 18, 34, multicultural audiences, they're much more likely to say they've used video-based apps like YouTube to to discover spoken word content. So they're using it to access, they're using it for discovery. And think about how easy, if you have been on YouTube and consumed podcasts or, or any kind of content, how easy it is to flow to the next piece to find what you're looking for. It's all right there. And it's easy to see. If you look at some of the U.S. data from the Infinite Dial, half the women and 62% of the men said they are currently listening to podcasts on YouTube. So we have to recognize the fact that even though we think of it as a video service and as a place where we watch things, it's audio consumption. And here's another funny thing about YouTube. Mm. We, we measure location, right? And measures location. And and people have been reporting you listening to YouTube in their cars, and that may feel counterintuitive, <laughs> right, unsafe, um, not good. But if you are maybe you're a car rider, maybe you uh, turn it on and put the phone down and just let it play. But uh, people are listening to YouTube music and they're consuming music through YouTube, and they're also doing it in car.
1: I suppose that's what Spotify's hoping is that flip over. I'm listening to my favorite band and then, oh, look, I'll just listen to a podcast as well. So consumption of ear time on platform is what they're hoping to keep you there. But it seems that YouTube has that.
2: Well, I, I, I'm sure they are hoping to capture that and find a way because I guess we know spoken word has taken off. We know, um, again, particularly young people and multicultural audiences have increased consumption and interest in spoken word and you can look at their need for connection and we can look at how much of that could have been driven now just surmising this part but I know our qualitative research when we do interviews with younger people and they talk about why they want to seek out spoken word it has to do with human connection not being alone you know just learning something about themselves things like that and i'm sure every streaming service is trying to figure out how to translate that into keeping listeners. How do we keep them? Yeah. Listening to whatever yeah. content we're offering. That good
1: word, sticky, as they like to say.
2: Definitely, definitely.
1: Now, last two questions. The Infinite Dial, how do you do your research? Just can you reveal some of the secrets behind there? the curtain? How do you guys do this stuff?
2: I, I can reveal some of the secrets behind the curtain. <laughs> so I mean, it's pretty simple. We do, we do different ages in the various countries that we do. So, the U.S. is, let's say, 12 plus. I think we did 16 plus in the U.K. But in the U.K., we did interview 1,000 people. There were telephone interviews. We did respondents age 16 plus. We, We do a random digit dial sample. What's important about the way that we reach the people, and this is very important, is this is not a survey of people who are only online. This, this also includes people who are lightly online, and that is important when you're measuring behaviors that include online consumption. So it's important to reach people who have landlines, aren't many of them, but it is important to reach landline people and mobile phones as well. And then we do the survey that way and then we project it to the national sample through weighted data. But it is important because when you do an online survey and it's only online and you're measuring online behavior, you tend to get numbers or you will get numbers that are inflated or show some behaviors that you need to measure all people, not just online people.
1: Now, one question I did ask you is my wish list to Edison Research is... You measure from the consumption side the people who consume content. But I was asking you, do you have a skew demographic of hosts, male, female, black, um, Latino? Because that would be really interesting as a data point to understand not only who's listening, but who's creating.
2: That is just a phenomenal question. And it would really provide some insight into the whole like podcast ecosystem. We did an event yesterday that was a black podcast listener report networking event. It was a follow-up to some data. And we had so many content creators, men and women. And it was just a, a really great way to see the creators face-to-face. I suppose we could back into that number a bit based on an analysis of who showed up in the ranker. So if we look at our, let's say, top 50, or we look at all the podcasts through our podcast consumer tracker, we could pull... Um, A number and analyze it that way, and that that is a subscription product, so we don't have data that we're sharing with that. But we could back into it that way and and do an analysis of creators. We haven't done that. I think that is a a wonderful question. I'm going to pass your wish list question along because we we could very much benefit from seeing what's out there. You know, looking at the rankers, the the top fifty and the top ten by different demos gives us some insight into what people are consuming. We know men. Have a little more politics and money in that top list. Women have more um, true crime, but it would be really nice to get an idea of what the creator ecosystem looks like.
1: James has put his PodNews ranker up for February. It says, in this 90-day period, PodNews gave 203 mentions or 39% to women and 317 mentions to men in the previous period. So the gender split was 37%. That's just he mentions that clearly isn't hosting again i just think it's something that i think would be an interesting understanding of because then once you understand the number you can ask why is the number skewed one way or the other if whatever the result is
2: and i will say we did have two female hosted podcasts move up in the top 10 we had office ladies move up call her daddy moved up a couple of spots from our last ranker that came out so it's interesting to keep a watch on that as well but you're absolutely right
1: Laura, thank you so much for your time. Great uh, insights from you guys at Edison. I know at Podcast Movement, you're gonna be launching the 2022 Infinite Dial, which is exciting. Where can people find you? Where can they find more about Edison Research?
2: Thank you for having me on. It was wonderful to do the presentation at Podcast Futures last week. Thank you for attending. You can find us at EdisonResearch.com. We have our public studies are all posted there. So any of the data we just talked about, easily accessible. You can just Google Infinite Dial UK and you will find the data that we just talked about. And then at Podcast Movement, which is coming up on on March 23rd, we will be releasing new Infinite Dial Data US, and that will be covering online, audio listening, podcasting, social media, traditional media. So a lot coming out on March 23rd. So thank you.
0: Laura Ivey from Edison Research talking about super listeners being white male and uh, YouTube being the biggest platform for discovery, and that's something that I've been, uh, um, you know, as you were saying earlier, Sam, banging on about. Uh, you know, their data for their super listeners data really shows that you know YouTube is the number one podcast platform. Not that it's really a podcast platform um, that uh, people have been using in the past. And certainly when you're having a look at uh, places that people are listening to podcasts most often, well, YouTube's there at number two with uh, 20%. So I think, you know, that's fascinating to end up watching. And maybe that means that new podcast platforms need to be a bit
1: cleverer in terms of how they use YouTube. Yeah, I mean, what Laura did say was that they didn't include in-car usage ...of YouTube. Now, I sort of went, whoa, hang on a minute, you can't be watching the YouTube and driving. She said, no, but, you know, what people do is they listen to podcasts from YouTube, put their phone down mm. and drive along, you know, and, again, so that number could even be higher, she said, than the one that they're reporting on because... Um, they can't, or they haven't as yet, brought that usage into the same point. So yeah, it could be a much higher uh, number. So YouTube should be the place that we all start to point or at least add our podcast. And there's actually a new platform. You know, James, uh, a little while back, we talked about, wouldn't it be nice if there was more video or imagery with YouTube so that when you're listening to your podcast on YouTube, you're getting more information. Well, there's a new company come out called Adori Studio that allows you to publish directly to YouTube, but it also makes your podcast visually engaging. If you have a look at their website, um, you can actually create either a video over the top of your podcast of images or links or information uh, and it looks really good.
0: Yeah, um Adori Studio is one company which is doing this uh, type of stuff. They've been going for a couple of years, but I think one of the things that they've been working on is doing all of this with artificial intelligence of actually realizing what they, you know, what a podcast is is uh, talking about and then matching uh, images and links uh, to that. And it's a really smart uh, tool and I was chatting uh, chatting with the folks from Adori Studio a couple of months ago. Um there's also another company called Vodacast, um, which sounds like a mobile phone company, but, um, uh, is not, <laughs> and is, um, you know, and they talk about, it's not a podcast, it's a Vodacast, uh, again, um, allowing you to skip through individual shows, allowing you to see, uh, images and artwork and link out to, you know, books that are being talked about and all that, uh, sort of thing. So Vodacast is another example there. Um, and of course, Entail, which uh, was bought by the Daily Mail group um, at the end of last year, you know, Entail has been doing something uh, similar. And uh, yeah, it does surprise me that these companies aren't jumping in and producing something which outputs onto uh, YouTube. And I think Adori has uh, started uh, doing that. They were doing some tests with iHeartRadio a couple of months ago. Um, so uh, yeah, some really interesting stuff going on there.
1: Yeah, and we also spoke to Clever.fm. I, mean, I know they don't push it out onto YouTube particularly right now, but they were using AI to abstract information from the podcast and create information notes. Um, I can imagine those information notes if they extended their platform being on YouTube and just appearing as uh, images within video as you were listening.
0: Yeah, indeed. Um, So, you know, interesting seeing a bunch of um, new podcast apps, which are focused on uh, audio um, enrichment with video. And
1: there are other podcast apps uh, on the way as well, aren't there? Yeah, it's interesting. You covered a story, James, about some company called Apollo which is a new podcast app just for fiction podcasts it boasts human curated library of more than seven and a half thousand shows it promises shows sorted by season and episodes and in the correct order thank you very much that's very good of you and has launched in beta for both iOS and Android so you can play with it too James Uh, we think it's a great example of a niche podcast app that could help raise the profile of fiction podcasting so it's the fir- Is it the first app, James, that's focusing on curating content, just not using the 4.3 million podcasts, but just limiting it down to a subsection?
0: Yeah, I don't know whether it's the first, but certainly um, it's, to my knowledge, the first, which is really focusing on a particular genre of fiction podcasts. And fiction podcasts do have particular things that are useful to make them better in terms of an app. So great to see Apollo... Uh, working, uh, you know, on that, and you know, and clearly there are opportunities. You know, fiction podcasts are interesting in that. They are typically evergreen content, so they don't go out of date, as many podcasts do, as this podcast, you know, obviously does. So um, so Apollo is a very sort of different experience, and certainly if you're looking at recommendations and things like that, um, then it should be a much more rich experience, because firstly, you know, those humans are going in there and creating all kinds of um, different links and different uh, genres of uh, fiction shows. But also, secondly, it should mean that um, shows aren't going to go out of date particularly fast. So the, um, the recommendations should be rather a lot better. So Apollo being one, which I, f- I found really interesting... And then the day that I I write about Apollo, I then get another email uh, from a company called BusinessWise. And what BusinessWise is, is is it's an app which is... Um, just containing business-related podcasts. And again, it allows you as someone that's running a business to be able to give your team members and your staff um, links to podcasts and to other pieces of audio that that are there to upskill your your team. So if you want your team to be better at, I don't know, time management, um, then you can pull in a bunch of time management um, audio from the podcasts which are out there. Um, So I think we're going to see more of these you know, very niche podcast apps, which are focused on particular things. And I think it's quite a nice uh, plan to actually, you know, see those those sorts of things going. It reminds me of, um, I was in a beer garden in Munich around uh, four years or so ago, and I was chatting to a guy who had, you know, written a very good, but, you know, typically, you know, efficient uh, podcast app, um, that was very good but had nothing going for it other than it was just a nice podcast app. And I said, you know, what's your plan for this? And he said, well, you know, it's a very good podcast app. And I said, it is, but, you know, is it any better than Apple or, or you know, I don't even think that Spotify was launched at the time. And um, one of the ideas that we hatched up was um, why not have a big switch In this app, which was basically the German switch and you switched it on. And the only thing that you saw in the app was German language podcasts, Um, (coughs) because that's really hard if you're trying to search for particular languages in any typical podcast app. It's really difficult. Um, And so, again, you know, having niche podcast apps for specific languages, perhaps, for specific uh, genres, you know, is, I think, really interesting. So, you know, great to see Apollo. And Apollo has some really good ideas in terms of some of the UX in there. So, um, yeah, that was really cool, I thought.
1: Spotify announced the latest edition of SoundUp for the UK and Ireland. The company is inviting aspiring podcasters who identifies black brown asian minority ethnic women women of color in the sports genre with a great idea to apply i I think i'll rule myself out there james um (laughs) yes i mean you tick some of those boxes but not that many (laughs) yeah it was the the last bit that got me great idea that that's what i fell down on
0: Uh, Sound up is a very good thing that uh, Spotify runs. It runs different um, uh, versions of this program in different countries. So in India, it was just purely looking for women uh, because uh, there weren't enough women podcasters in the Indian podcasting uh, landscape. Um, they've clearly realized that in the UK and Ireland, the only people who are talking about sport um, in the in the majority at least, are, you know, blokes, white blokes. And so therefore they see there being a real opportunity there. They're going to launch Sound Up for the US as well um, early next week. Um, and uh, I know what they're talking about. I'm not sure that they've told me that I need to keep it hidden away under embargo. But if you're thinking about doing content for kids then perhaps you might want to look out for SoundUp in the US on uh, early next week uh, because that might be something that you might be interested in.
1: Now, Odyssey has launched the Odyssey Digital Audio Network, which they call the highest quality addressable audience in audio. 60 million listeners across podcasts and radio are available to target. What's your thoughts, James?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that some people will be putting their, throwing their hands up in horror and going, the privacy, the privacy, think of the privacy. Um, but <laughs> uh, at the at the end of it, you know, Odyssey is, uh, by all accounts, a pretty good app. I can't play with it because I don't live in the US. But by all accounts, a pretty good app it uh, requires you to sign in first before using it. And obviously it's got a bunch of radio stations in there, a bunch of podcasts in there. And, um, uh, you know, I'm all for allowing people to find uh, really good content um, in terms of advertising, advertising that uh, is much more relevant to them. If it's if it's irrelevant, it's just really annoying. If it's relevant advertising, it's great content. So, um, you know, Odyssey... Uh, Launching the Odyssey Digital Audience Network, which allows advertisers to get in and advertise, you know, relevant content to people, is, I
1: think, pretty good. So well done, Odyssey. Now, Audio Boom, which still hasn't been bought, um, as far as I'm aware, has launched three new shows. Two are True Crime and the others combines Dating and Food. That sounds an interesting one. Um, They also released their first original podcast for the UK market, they say. Devils in the Dark, which is out now.
0: Yes, which is all very exciting uh, and thrilling. They are number 24 in terms of the um, market share of podcast hosts when you have a look at them per episode. Uh, The new data came out from John Spurlock uh, on the 1st of March, um, Anchor obviously being number one, Buzzsprout is at number two, responsible for 9.7% of all of the episodes of podcasts published in February. And that figure was up 2.9%. So many congratulations to uh, Buzzsprout, our excellent sponsor, who interestingly, they just announced on Buzzcast, which is the official Buzzsprout uh, podcast, they just announced on there that um, they're giving that podcast a bit of a breather for the next uh, month or so. And they've got some big announcements to make over the next couple of weeks, which they need to focus on. I wonder what the big announcements are going to be. Uh, It's going to be interesting catching up with uh, hopefully Alban and uh, Tom and uh, others at Podcast Movement Evolutions. uh, And uh, hopefully we'll be able to sit down with them and
1: record a full show while we're there. Indeed. Talking of remote recording tools, we use Riverside FM. Um, They've had a patent claim from a competitor open Reel dismissed which is good news i think uh the judge's decision on open Reel can still be amended until mid-march however uh so yeah mm. we'll see what happens there james
0: yeah it's it it's a worry because you know this company open Reel uh, claim that they have patents that might threaten what riverside fm are doing but actually if you have a look at their claim then the, the patents that OpenReal claim that they have may well uh, be patents that uh, Squadcast are also using and that Boomcaster and the, all of these other platforms uh, are also using as well. So it's a bit of a worry um, because if OpenReal are successful and they've got until mid-March to change their claim, um, then uh, you can guess that that might be a pretty bad uh, thing for any of these remote recording tools. Uh, which is a bit of a shame so uh certainly one to watch um and to uh keep uh, abreast on it's got something to do with alice is why the judge's decision was um w- w- was against uh, open reel uh but i don't understand anything about alice alice who on <laughs> earth is alice
1: <laughs> <laughs> if you want to find um more news uh, on, on any of these topics then of course head over to podnews.net why thank you um let's dive into
0: tech corner mark steadman has written a very good piece around what is podcasting 2.0 and why is it important if you're not techie uh, then you should go and uh, have a read of that uh, because uh, apparently you will understand Podcasting 2.0 and much more. You'll find that link in our show notes as well. And cross-app comments are on the way, aren't they, Sam?
1: Yeah, they demonstrated this week that uh, on Podverse and Podfriend we're both running the same comment. Now, this is quite interesting because obviously it's taking what's been an idea now to an actual deliverable um, and they've demonstrated it. So... From our interview last week with John Spurlock, and for what I understand, they've basically mm. uh, taken the podcast Social Interact extension, they've created a URL that is predefined, and then that URL is available in both apps so that when comments appear... Um, They appear in both apps, which is really cool. Yeah, which is
0: really nice. And you should be able to, in the future, post from those apps as well. I think it's just reading only at the moment, but you should be able to post from those apps as well. Uh, Really smart. And, um, you know, I'm up for adding comments because I think that that might be interesting on the web version of PodNews as well. Um, I am still lacking the technical know-how to do that. Um, even with John John Spurlock's uh, hard work, but um, I'm looking forward to uh, you know playing around with that. Uh, so that's nice. Cross app comments, of course, being one thing which are very open. Um, iHeart Radio has just added a tool called Talkback to its app, which is basically a way that you can record yourself and send a message back to either the radio station or to the podcast that you're listening to which is uh, pretty cool would you use something like this for your your uh, station sam
1: we already do actually radio king provide a function like this for uh the mobile app that we have um yeah so it's been around but the bit that i thought was interesting was the podcast element that you can do that to the podcast as well now i know that is it Podpage already offers that same functionality as well where you can leave a message or voice message back to the content creator and hosts.
0: Yeah, and there's also a a company called um, Pod Inbox, which does the same uh, sort of thing. I think the clever thing that uh, what iHeartRadio has done with their version of TalkBack... Is that if you're listening to a radio station and you send a little message to the host who's on the air at the moment, what it will do, as I understand it, is it will actually um, import that audio directly into the playout system so that the presenter announcer host who is um currently on the air can actually just prefade that have a listen to it and then air it um which is pretty cool um and just built into the uh, playout system so uh which is uh, pretty mm. clever but you know it's more listener in- interactivity and as we know interactivity is really important um for many podcasters because many podcasters are just doing a podcast by themselves in their basement and it's quite nice to be able to get interactivity back Um, So, it's a a cool piece of technology from um, iHeartRadio. And also, nice to see um, some cool technology from um, Sounder FM. They have announced support for podcast transcripts, uh, which is very cool. Um, They have a um, a good transcription tool, which they've made even better. And uh, that is now available in a number of, um, uh, you know, obviously, any new podcast app that supports podcast transcripts will uh, now support Sounder FM shows as well. As well
1: and Sandra FM have also added support for a number of other tags which is good too uh, moving on movers and shakers uh, so after five years at Spotify Greg Herman is now the managing editor at Apple podcast Greg managed eight podcast editorial experts who oversaw the day-to-day curation of podcasts on Spotify I did reach out to Greg yesterday and yeah hopefully he'll be on the show in a few weeks time
0: Yes, that would be amazing if you can get him to uh, speak. He'll be leading curation for Apple's editorial team covering the US and Canada. Based out of Culver City, uh, which I always know as um, Dumpy Culver City because I used to listen to a lot of Jack FM out of Culver City. So, um, congratulations, Greg. Uh, that's a good thing. Um, uh, other um, new uh, announcements Rishi Malhotra has been announced as the new CEO of Luminary. Uh, He was the CEO and co-founder of GeoSarvan and a VP at uh, HBO. Um, Do you know Rishi at all, Sam?
1: No, no, I don't. Do you, James? Because I don't. This I, is one person I don't know. No,
0: I don't. I don't at all either. I had a feeling that you knew somebody called Rishi, uh, and I wondered if it was the same Dishy one. Rishi
1: Rishi. Yeah, no, yeah. I do know him. Yes, the, 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 I'm <laughs> very much the Chancellor of Exchequer here in the UK. But no, no, this Rishi is off my uh, list. You, so hang on a minute. Wait, wait there. Uh,
0: you know the <laughs> Chancellor of the Exchequer in the UK? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I do. Yes. Oh.
0: Very, very nice. Very good. Excellent.
1: <laughs> Potentially the next uh, PM. If he's,
0: got, if he's got a couple of billion that he might want to, you know, feed our way, then, uh, you know, then then uh, by all accounts, that seems fine. I'll so, ask his uh, wife. Yeah, that would, that would be lovely. It's, it's his yes, wife's exactly. money. It's Why not? not so, yes. So, interesting to see uh, brand new CEO of uh, Luminary. Good luck with that, Rishi Malhotra. Um, also, Dave Chappelle has... Um, Uh, Invested a bit and they've uh, announced three more people on the board. Uh, So, um, yeah, Luminary is uh, one of those companies that I am fascinated by, partially because it's still going, but also partially because I suspect that Apple essentially threw threw them a lifeline when they launched um, paid podcast subscriptions uh, a little bit earlier um, so good to see that and Ashley Carmen who I would love to claim is a friend of the show but I'm sure she's not uh, she has left the verge and hot pod whatever hot pod was and she's joined Bloomberg um, and uh, she's going to be writing a newsletter at uh, Bloomberg um, as well as writing about uh, podcasting and audio um, so uh, many congratulations to Ashley I hope that that's a massive pay rise Um And also uh, allows you to focus a bit more on some of the in-depth stuff that you've been doing. Uh, But uh, very cool. Hope that she'll be at uh, Podcast Movement Evolutions too.
1: Um, And there's uh, more jobs and stuff like that at podjobs.net. Indeed. One that I would want to point out is uh, after eight years, quite interestingly, somebody who I have listened to a lot is uh, Sonal Chodsky is stepping down from the A16Z podcast podcast and they're looking for a new host of that podcast, James. Um, not that you're going anywhere, so you're not allowed to leave and take that job. Um,
0: <laughs> they, wouldn't, they wouldn't want this fancy British accent anyway, would they?
1: No, but she was the person who introduced me to Descript, because um, Descript are invested by uh, Andreessen Horowitz.
0: Ah, well... There you go. Well, talking about Descript, it's time for Boostergram Corner. Boostergram Corner. Oh, yes, it is. So we've had um, uh, some really interesting, uh, it's great to get feedback. Um, it's always great to get feedback through Boostergrams because uh, that way uh, more cryptocurrency comes our way uh, as well. Uh, we had a couple, um, one from uh, Adam Curry and one from Georg Darm from Fail Better
1: Media. Uh, What did Georg say? He's not a happy boy with me, is he? Great show. He's not. Integral part of my weekend. But please, please, please dial down the automatic silence removal or whatever serves. He thinks it's Descript. Yes, I do use Descript. It makes for a very jokey listening experience with quite a few sentences and words being mistakenly cut out. Or is it filler word removal? Whatever it is, it's really rough. Your words deserve more audio love, gentlemen. Oh, dear. Okay, that's that's feedback if I've never heard it.
0: Oh, bless. Yes. And then, and then, and then Adam Curry, uh, who says? Did you use some silence removal on this episode? If so, stop it. That's the voice of the podfather. <laughs> right, I'm really uh, in trouble now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I I think it's great because um, both of those in total um, was uh, some in the region of uh, eight thousand sats. So uh, fine, I think I think the more of that, the better. Um, you have been using uh, Descript to edit for the last uh, few weeks. Um, I am editing today's podcast if only because you know I'm 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 back in I'm back in the house and I can, um, but uh, yeah, it's really interesting feedback. So uh, thank you to both Adam and to uh, Georg uh, indeed for that. I will take uh, note. Much much appreciated. I think one of the you know uh, I I think personally Descript is a pretty good first pass tool that you can then shove into other things as well. And if I paid for Descript, then. Um, I would probably use it as a first pass to just do a little bit of ordering and, you know, quick DMing and then sort of polish it, you know, afterwards. Having said that, you know, I've used... I've used that uh, tool and it's been uh, pretty good. Uh, But thank you to both of that. Uh, Dave Jones loved your interview with John
1: Spurlock. Yeah, great interview with John Spurlock. Love it when someone takes ownership of a new tag proposal and shepherds it through the process of bringing it to developers with usable code. It's the beauty of open source. There are way too many businesses in podcasting Mm. right now that are just building to sell. It's depressing. But thank God Facebook has a Clubhouse clone now. My life was a mess before. That. yeah there you go
0: dave <laughs> we all need that uh kyren from the uh mere mortals uh, podcast um who uh, along with me will be quite a damp person this week because of the floods here in uh, brisbane and i have a feeling that Kyrin will have been affected more than me so uh hopefully you're okay Kyrin. Uh, but he says lots of exciting features more new things getting added it's been great fun to watch you two gradually adding more podcasting 2.0 tags and even nodes now very adventurous no wonder the british colonized everywhere <laughs> oh don't open that too soon too soon karen um but in terms of uh, yes you've um
1: you you got your umbral up and running now no no don't even go there with me i've had a little bit of a problem i'll tell you offline we'll move on oh heavens
0: Oh, well, there we go. Um, and also, thank you so much to Oscar Merry, who sent us some sats, and Dave Jones, again, who was saying how much uh, he loved your interview with Stuart Townsend. He loves all your interviews, Dave Jones. Thank you, um, Dave. <laughs> I, uh, yes, I think you do much better interviews than me. So I, I would agree with him. Um, so uh, if you do get value out of this podcast, please do consider hitting that boost button and sending us a message. What's that you say? I don't have a boost button in my podcast app. Well, you should get a better podcast app then uh, you'll find
1: one at newpodcastapps.com. Indeed. Now, looking at some events coming up that you might want to attend, the first one uh, on the roster is the Women's Podcast Festival returns to London on June the eighteenth. The program will include live shows, networking, pitching, and yet parties that celebrate the best in women's podcasting. You and I, James, are not invited.
0: Well, I think we probably are invited, but I don't think, uh, but I don't think it's to celebrate the. Sort of podcasting that we do, um, but right. uh, a fine thing in London. I think it's at um, uh, I think it's at uh, that uh, lovely place where the Guardian is also based, just next to King's Cross. Um, So uh, congratulations to them. Uh, If you're in Berlin, in Germany, then PodFest Berlin is coming in uh, July. Of course, course, PodFest in Orlando is happening in May. Uh, PodFest Cairo 2022 is just around the corner in Egypt. That will be on uh, March the 5th. So this weekend, uh, which should be fun. But both you and I are getting ready. We're just about to pack. We're getting ready for Los Angeles, because in just a couple of weeks, we will be at Podcast Movement
1: Evolutions, won't we? Mm, We will, along with Will Ferrell uh, and uh, Connell Byrne. So, yeah, so really looking forward to going there and meeting people that we've talked about. Uh, face-to-face.
0: Yeah, that should be really good. Um, you uh, you can get tickets uh, still, obviously. Uh, go searching for Podcast Movement Evolutions online. Uh, that'll be good. Obviously, Will Ferrell will be talking about the Ron Burgundy podcast. He'll be talking about the growth of his Big Money Players podcast network as well. Uh, I am doing a session on, um, I think, the Thursday morning, um about uh, podcast subscriptions which uh it should be fun to do weirdly i finished doing that at um, something like 10:15 in the morning and then at 10:30 I'm speaking at a conference in Montreal uh, because obviously I am. Um, and so that's going to be a very quick rush from the conference room uh, up to the uh, up to my hotel room uh, in order to uh, take part on that. but I'm looking forward to uh, doing that. that's an internal conference for Radio Canada.
1: Um, the French uh, public service broadcaster and uh, this week the British Podcast Awards uh, powered by Audible uh, have opened their entries so uh, thousands of podcasters will try and scoop the prestigious Podcast of the Year award as well as 20 individual trophies uh, various categories to be announced Um, entries are open until the 11th of April
0: yeah and there's a bunch of new uh, categories in there as well so well worth taking part in and that's one of the big podcast awards Awards in the world. So uh, if you qualify, this podcast qualifies, I think, although uh, Pod News itself doesn't. Uh, so if you do qualify, uh, then you should uh, rush to enter now at British Podcast And finally, in Spain, the winners of the Ondas Globales podcast awards were announced, which I'm sure aren't pronounced like that. Uh, There were winners from 15 Spanish-language countries as well. The awards ceremony, even though they know who's won, the awards ceremony will be in Malaga in May. Uh, So uh, congratulations. Should we go to that one, James? Yeah, I I I think we should. I think it might be nice and warm (laughs) um, and uh, possibly less wet than it is here. Uh, so there we go. Uh, there's more events um, on uh, Pod News. If you uh, subscribe to Pod News, you'll see them every single day in the uh, newsletter, or you can find them at Pod Events.
1: So, James, uh, what else has been happening for you this week in Podland?
0: Well, I uh, was on a podcast earlier on this week looking forward uh, with Jeff Ostroff. I was uh, talking about the future of radio uh, with my other hat on, a radio futurologist and commentator. Um, So uh, that's been uh, pretty good. Uh, So it was good to record that. I think I recorded that about three weeks ago in a... Uh, in an underground car park somewhere, <laughs> because it was nice and quiet, <laughs> and it was out of the it's sun. So glamorous, you I know. So glamorous, so glamorous, um, and and also there's a there's a full bars of five G coverage there as well. It's my uh, it's my new place to go to record podcasts. I'm also on the media podcast with Matt Deegan tomorrow. If you're in the UK, or, or even if you're not in the UK, I'm talking about podcasts and other media things. Uh, it's a very good podcast. It's uh, really good if you're a media nerd as I am. Um, You can find it in your favourite podcast app and in Spotify.
1: Uh, What's happening for you this week uh, on Podland, Sam? Well, uh, my radio station officially on the 1st of March was one year old. So, yes, we had a little celebration. Excellent. Many congratulations. That's a good thing. Did you, uh, was there lots of cake? A little bit of cake, a couple of balloons. Uh, We didn't go too mad um, because Ofcom let us down. So, uh, yeah, thank you, Ofcom. Oh, oh, yeah. (laughs) They didn't send through our licence in time. Uh, They promised us for that. Oh, your DSPS licence? Yeah, so it's next week they're going to do it, and it's just... It, it was an anti-climax, really, because we were all like, yay, we're going to that go means, on to DAB. Yeah, so
0: that means that you're not allowed to be on DAB yet, is that, uh, for another is that week. what I've understood?
1: Yes, which oh, is really annoying, because well, it would have been perfect on the one-year anniversary to turn on our DAB, but they didn't let us do it.
0: Well, Well, there you go. That's government organisations for you.
1: Uh, Are you doing anything at Podcast Movement? Yeah, well, this will be entertaining. I'm doing an Iron Chef, uh, a real-time podcast editing with Descript. So, uh, yeah, with Kevin from Descript. So, we're going to record an episode and we're going to put it up as a podcast live and uh, put it out. So, we have 30 minutes to do that. Very cool.
0: Well, I I, I may be there. Uh, I may be. (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, might be heckling worth, from the sidelines might be
0: worth having a go and uh, very much looking forward to seeing many of our many of our friends at uh, podcast movement evolutions if you'd like to reach out then please do um not quite sure how i'm going to manage to fit everything in uh, but it should be great fun um so uh, looking forward uh,
1: to that uh, and that's it for this week. Uh, please p- follow Podland in your podcast app and on Twitter at Podland News. You'll also find previous shows on the web at www.podland.news.
0: If you'd like daily news, you should get Pod News, The newsletter's free at podnews.net and the podcast can be found in your podcast app. All the stories we've discussed on Podland today are in the show notes and we use chapters and transcripts too. Our
1: music is from Ignite Jingles and we're hosted and sponsored by our good friends, Brown. Keep listening.